Welcome back to our High Five, where we're gonna highlight five awesome things that are happening in the life of our church. So let's jump into it. Up at number five, One Church welcomes David Altenor as our Concord worship pastor. He has a deep love for Jesus and this region, and we're so excited to welcome David, his wife, Herla, and new baby Ava to One Church. High five to what God has in store. In at number four, our Concord Outpost enjoyed the 4th of July fireworks at Memorial Field with the town of Pembroke. They handed out glow wands and candy to the many people that came. High five Concord, sharing God's love is a blast. Up at number three, this Sunday, our Manchester Outpost had a barbecue where hundreds of people enjoyed games, grilling, and good times. High five Manchester to more times like this. Here at number two, this past weekend, our Franklin Outpost traveled to the beaches at Webster Lake, where they handed out over 150 popsicles to people celebrating the holiday there. High five, Franklin, to sharing God's love with your community. And finally, up at number one, we're celebrating 16 baptisms across all of our outposts this past week. High five to Courtney, Justin, Chris, Jerry, Anne, Phoenix, Harmony, Todd, Jim, Lisa, Ava Lynn, Leland, Pete, Adriana, and Autumn. We are so excited for how God will continue to work in and through you. Thanks for joining us for our high five and I can't wait to celebrate with you in the next one. I like the kid who just went under, like he was ready. I thought that was awesome. We all pray with me. Lord, I thank you for this morning. God, I thank you for this day. Lord, I thank you for every person here right now. Lord, I pray that you might speak in the midst of this morning, that we might hear from your scripture. Lord, I trust when you say that your word will not come back to you empty. So, Lord, whatever it is you want to say to any of all of us, Lord, may you give us ears to hear. May you stir us to take a a step closer to you, wherever that might be, wherever we might be. Lord, may we know your love and your, your goodness and your compassion that is ever drawing us closer. In your name we pray. Amen. So there's stories throughout Scripture that when you read them, there's like some big stories there. Our, our story for today is sandwiched in between a man named Elisha who was a prophet of God who raised the dead boy back to life. And you're like, that's something. That, there's something. Like, when you talk about raising the dead, that's, that's no small thing. After that, there's a story after, or not right after that, but the next story away from the story we're in today is... Elisha and his servant surrounded by an enemy army. And the army is vast and terrifying. And the servant is utterly terrified. And he turns to Elisha, he's like, my Lord, what's going on? We're never going to survive this. And Elisha prayed, Lord, open, open his eyes. Open his eyes so that he can see. And his eyes were opened and he saw that the the angel army surrounding what he thought was the greatest foe was far bigger and more powerful than the one in front of him. 
And I thought about this God that we serve, this God who, who can speak life into death, who can find the darkest circumstance that we might face and to, to bring it back to life again. And I thought about the God who, man, we sometimes face armies. Like, there are vast armies that we face. And, I mean, they have different names and faces, but they're, they're battles that we, we go up against. And we don't always see. We don't always see the victory of God behind it, right? We don't always see. We don't always know the outcome, and we don't see where God is at work. And, and God opened our eyes at those moments when we failed to realize that you are so much stronger than anything we might face. Well, in between those two stories is this short little miracle where a guy is chopping down a tree and the head of his axe falls into the river. And Elisha grabs a stick, he throws it into the river, and the axe head floats. And a great miracle, he gets it back. And in between those two stories, I'm thinking, what is that all about? Like, what do you do? How do you, what is the, what is the principle? See, I, I love stories. I love stories because there's something very portable about stories. We're all part of a story. We're all in a story. We're, we all have a story. You all, all have a, a story. And maybe you think you're, maybe you, if you ever come across someone else's life and you're like, oh man, they got the resurrected from the dead type of story. Or, or they were surrounded by armies, but God showed him his goodness in the midst of it all type of story. And then some of us feel like, well, my story is more like I lost the head of my axe and God raised it up from the water again. It's not exactly the same. And that I've, came to this story with, I know that God speaks through his scriptures, and that this story is not there by accident. And so you got to kind of press in a little bit, like, well, what do we, what, well, God, what, what is the principle? So, so, so stories can be passed down, but there's usually some type of principle in the midst of, of the story. And I'm like, okay, God, what is it, what is it that we need to hear? And, and I've been praying this hard, for over the, particularly over this message, I'm like, what, what is this all about? And, and how do we wrestle this? And how does it connect to our lives? And, and I realize it's all part of God's story as well. God is doing something in our world. And we have been invited into his story. And his story like converges with our story, like my story and your story is like, man, sometimes we were a mess. Sometimes we flew off the handle. Sometimes we find ourselves sunk. But the wonder of our story is, is, is that God stepped into our story because his was the greater story. And he says, I, I know that you've gone the wrong way. I know that you've, you've, you've flown out, out, of, out to nowhere. But he reaches down in the person of Jesus Christ. He takes on flesh and he comes and enters into our story to tell us that he has a story. And his story is that no matter how far we have fallen, he can pull us back up. And so my story is, man, I don't know if I can do that in my own strength. And his story is, no, you can't, but I can in my strength. And so we all have these stories, and you've got a story, and I've got a story, and our stories are all different, which is absolutely beautiful, and our stories are all the same in some sense because we're all in need of, of his story to save us in our story. And our memory verse in, one, in Psalm 107, verse 2, it says this, let those who have been redeemed by the Lord tell their story, those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Let those who have recognized that the story in which God has invited us, has invited us into is a beautiful story that the world needs to hear. 
And so the, the words are going to be up on, on the screen of our, our memory. Oh, there they are. Um, and we're going we're gonna to say that together. But as we say that, may you think about your story. And can I tell you that your story is not done being written, by the way. You're in the middle of your story. And some of you like might be in the, uh, the, the plot twist moment of the story. And some of you might be in the valley part of the story. And some of you might be on the mountaintop part of the story. But we're all in the story. All right, I say, uh, let, read it with me. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed from the hand of the foe. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those he redeemed. Why do we have to tell our story? Is because God's story is that more people might know. That even when everything is falling apart, he can pull everything back together. That everything might seem lost. That he can step into the lostness and, and help it be found again. So Elisha. Elisha, a guy comes to Elisha. and Elisha has had people gather around him. He's a prophet. And people have seen Elisha's power, and, and they, they see that God is working through him, and they're like, we want, we, we want that. And so people are following Elisha around, and it, it seems, my, my estimation is more and more people are following. It's getting bigger and bigger. And I get the sense. It doesn't tell us a whole lot, because it's a short, it's a very short story. It doesn't tell us a whole lot, but you get the sense of, like, people are gathering around, and I'm guessing they're gathering, and they're meeting in this house for worship, and to worship God together, this God of Elijah, Elisha, and the God of Elijah as well, which was Elisha's mentor. And, and one guy comes to him, or the company of prophets who have been following him, they come to him, and, hey, hey, the place where we're meeting, it's too small. And my estimation, again, you got to read some into it. My estimation is because it's growing and like we got to do something about this, which makes me think about our story, is like sometimes we got to dream big. Sometimes we got to dream big and we got to make room for more. I'm like, well, what are you talking about? Well, it seems like there's a problem that will come and, and the company of prophets will say, hey, the place where we're meeting is too small. We could stay here or we could do something big. And so that's where we pick up today. 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, we come to this little story about an axe head. We trust God. God, what do you, what do you want to tell us? I'm sorry, I've been praying for, for all of you, not by name necessarily. I didn't know who all would be here today, but I've been praying, Lord, may there may they be something in the midst of this strange, seemingly insignificant story that you want to speak to each and every heart here today. So I guess between you and God and me, we've got to figure out, and his Holy Spirit, figure out, okay, well, what is it that I need to hear? The company of the prophets said to Elisha, look, the place where we meet with you is too small for us. Let us go to the Jordan where each of us can get a pole and let us build a place there for us to meet. And he said, go. You're like, well, I don't know what is going on here. Like, like, and I'm like, ah, you could go like very few directions. I'm like, oh God, what is, what's going on here? And I, I don't know, I just had this little thought about how sometimes God is wanting us to stretch, wanting us to dream a little bigger. Like sometimes small can be comfortable. Sometimes small thinking can be comfortable. Sometimes we like to stay cozy. And I think I was thinking about like, you know, within a church or within a gathering on a Sunday morning, we could say, well, I like my seat and I like my parking spot and too many people will cause it. And, and yet we're, we're part of one church where one church is saying, no, we want the most people in the kingdom in the shortest amount of time. We want, we want, we want the love of God to be known through Concord and we want the love of God to be known through our homes and we want the love of God to be known to our whole community. And we could dream small 
Or we could say, no, maybe God wants to do something bigger in our homes. And maybe God wants to do something bigger in our city. And maybe God wants to do something bigger. And so you got to dream big in some sense because small can be comfortable and small can be controllable. And yet this guy, the prophet, company of prophets come and say, well, no, maybe God wants to do something a little bigger. And I thought about dreaming. I thought about having a vision for things. I thought about how you can dream in your marriage and, and dream about kids. You can dream about a lot of things, but somewhere along the line you can become comfortable. And God is saying, well, no, maybe I wanted to do something more. Maybe I want to do something a little bigger. And so the company of prophets, they come and say, hey, maybe we can build something bigger. Can we go down to the river? Here's my assumption. My assumption is the river is where the vegetation is growing, so probably you got bigger trees down by the river, and like, hey, this might be something big. There might be something there, which means that we're going to find out where the resources are, and we're going to go there and and build something new. And Elisha says, okay, go. I thought about how sometimes we can stay in a situation and just complain. Or we can stay in a situation and say, oh, this place is so small, I just can't handle it anymore. Or we could decide to do something about it. And so they say, okay, we'll do it. And Dream big. Dream big and ask for more. So as a church, we pray for one. And basically, it's a simple prayer. Lord, please give me one person to share your love with today. And the big thinking is that God wants to use your story to impact someone else's story. And yeah, you could keep on going and living your story, and you, and you will. But at the same time, there's someone else's story that God maybe wants to intersect. And you could, you could dream small and say, well, it's just me, and it's just my faith, and it's just my, the things I believe. And God would say, well, no, maybe I want to do something bigger. And maybe there's some more room that needs to be made. And maybe that room needs to be made in your heart of saying, God, help me to love people. How many see people who are, are lost? How many see people who have, their, their axe head is flown off the handle and maybe there's something you want to do about it? And so God, give me the vision. Give me the, give me the insight to know that it's not just about my story, that it's about their story and your story and how you can move through it in the midst of it. I don't know, that's a lot to maybe overly read into the story and I'm trying not to, but I'm just intrigued by what's, what's going on. And so... Elisha tells them, okay, you can go, 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 go build this. Have you ever noticed that God might lay something onto your heart, God might give you a vision for who he's called you to be, the type of man, the type of woman that he's called you to be, the type of husband or wife that he's called you to be, the type of, like, I mean, you fill in the blank. You have the, we have these dreams, we have these visions in our life of, of these moments when God says, this is what I'm calling you towards, and I want you to trust me, and I want you to step out in faith. And so you, you step out in faith, and you think everything is going to go, out per, go, go perfect, but, but at some point, Things fall apart. My wife and I have this little joke, like there's no such thing as small projects around the house. Have you ever, you ever had a small project around your house and you're like, oh, this will take a couple minutes. Dumbest thing I ever say is like, oh, this will take a couple minutes. This will, oh, maybe it's a bigger project. This will take a couple minutes. Have you ever had these experiences of like, oh, this will take, this will take an hour and, and like three days later, you're calling someone to come in to hell. You're calling in the reinforcements because you realize it was no small task. Sometimes we, um, Sometimes we can do the exactly the right thing that God might be stirring on our hearts to do and we can step in faith and trust him in the midst of it. But if you're a human being, at some point, the ax head falls off the handle. 
And because you are human beings, I know that in your life, you have taken steps of faith and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. Okay, God, I'm going to dream big. Okay, God, I'm going to pray for that person. Okay, God, I'm going to, I'm going to seek to restore that relationship. So I'm going to step into it and I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to take it your word, take you at your word. And I can trust that you're going to do more. And then the ax head flies off the handle and you're like, what's the deal, God? You remember that moment? Are you in that moment? What's the deal, God? What happened? I did, I did what you said on my heart to do. But if you watch, if you start to read through the scriptures, you'll start to see, I've talked about it as the wilderness moments. You, you'll always fall in these moments where you're taking these steps of faith and it seems as though at some point, somewhere along the way, at multiple points along the way, the ax head falls off. And so the solution to that is to pray hard is to pray hard and to ask God for help. Things break. In a lot of ways, life breaks. Here's the story, or more of the story. So then one of them said, won't you please come with your servants? I will, Elisha replied. And he went with them. So they're all going down to the river. They're going to cut down some trees, and they're going to build a new place. They're dreaming big. God, we want to do something. Okay, like, we're going to do it. Let's make room for more. Okay, we're going to dream big. Uh, so they go down, they go down, and, um, and he went with them, and they went down to the Jordan, and he began to cut down the trees. Now, as one of them was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water. Oh, no, my Lord, he cried out. It was borrowed. Have you ever had that moment of, this was borrowed? Like, ah, there's a debt that I now owe. Like, I don't think I can pay that back. They didn't have a lot of money in Elisha's day, probably if you're following this wandering prophet, like you ain't making the bucks. And now he's borrowed this ax head and now he's going to cut down a, a tree and he's doing the right thing in his estimation. And it seems like it was blessed by God. It was blessed by the prophets. Like here, you're doing the right thing. You're getting to work and flies off. And I thought about that. I thought about life and that great struggle of life that we go through. Because again, sometimes we can have this misgiving of like, okay, I'm going to dream big, and okay, I'm going to trust that God's going to work through my life. And we have this misconception that, if, that his working through my life means that everything's going to stay nice and intact and input, and anybody who's been walking with him for a while knows that that is not so. Like, it's a struggle. It often affirms it and confirms it in my heart as to watch my Savior because the road he walked was not an easy path. It was a path to a cross. It was a path of death for me to bring me back to life. And so if I live under this perception that I can dream big, and if I think that means that everything's going to work out perfect and stick together and, and not have problems along the way, man, there's going to be frustrations because that is not the path of our Savior. And so sometimes things fly off the handle. And with it comes this, this debt. So I was thinking about things that sink our dreams. And even as I say this, like, what are some of the dreams that have sunk? What are some of the dreams in your life that maybe are sinking? I don't mean to get all depressing. Like, <laughs> like, but, but I realize that in our life, there can be many things that, that, that sink our dream. Like you dream big. Okay, God, this is the family that I want. This is the marriage that I want. This is the life that I want. And then all of a sudden, like... So some of the things that sink our dreams are fear. 
God, what if this doesn't work? God, are you really with me in this? God, can we really do this? Is this project too big? Is this, is this relationship too far gone? Is this struggle too real? And so all of a sudden, fear can start to overwhelm us, and we can get lost in the fear. And Sometimes the struggle comes with fatigue. And I was thinking about, like, chopping trees. It seems cool at the beginning, right? Anybody who's ever gone to chop a tree at the beginning, I don't know if you have, but you're always like, I can take that in a few minutes. No small projects, right? And you're like, you know, a few ways in, maybe to cutting down a little bit of a forest, you start to realize, man, I'm getting a little tired. And I think about that in terms of life. And again, I don't mean to keep, well, I'm bringing these back because it's stuff that we are often in is like in your relationship, sometimes you can start out all gangbusters and then all of a sudden, like you're tired, you're fatigued with your boss. You can't take it anymore. You're fatigued with your coworkers. Like you're trying to love God, love them with God's love. And then I just, we're tired. Like I won't have you raise your hands, but you might be like that or your spouse or your kids or. Somewhere along the way, you can get tired. You can get tired of dreaming. You can be afraid to hope again. You can be afraid to dream again. You can be worn out. We all get tired. Chopping down trees is tired. It could be the exact right thing that God might be calling you to do, and you can get tired. It can be frustrating. It can be frustrating. Like, you know, I, not too long ago, I, got, I finished like, reading through the book of Job, and whoo, if you're just staying with some of the three quarters of the chapters, you're like, this is a pretty depressing book. Everything's, everything's lost. Like, what in the world is God doing? God, I'm trying to follow you, and it seems like it, it, everything's falling apart, and so there's this frustration sometimes with following God. Can you say that in church? There's a frustration sometimes with following God. God will say, my thoughts, the way I work, my, the way I think is not the way you think, and, and my ways are not your ways, and, and your ways is like, no, God, we want an axe head to stay right on the handle because we're doing your work, and God says, well... Life will sometimes make it fly off. And that's frustrating. Life is frustrating. And so this frustration, I think, that can sink our dreams. And, and then I think particularly relevant to the story is financially seems to be a, a struggle because that's something real that we can face in our life is like, well, this is lost. Like, I gotta, how am I going to repay this? And I was thinking, I was just thinking through everything that can sink our dreams. A lot of those are circumstantial things, but then I realized that there is a far more dramatic and drastic sinking that can happen when it's not just the things associated to our lives that can sink. But then in a lot of ways, our lives can be sinking. And in those sinking times, those fears and those frustrations can fall to the bottom and we wonder, can, can anything be done? It's, is it lost? So you gotta pray hard. You gotta pray hard and ask God for help. Not to say that things aren't gonna fly off and fall apart and break, it's they are gonna fall apart and fall off and break, but God is sufficient for you in the breaking. So you gotta pray hard and you gotta lean into him. And then I think there comes a part where you got to trust more and you got to reach out and take it. There's this, the rest of the story is kind of weird. I know it's a, it's a very short story, but this is 
The man of God asked him, where did it fall? Where did the axe head fall? When he showed him the place, Elisha cut a stick, threw it in there, and made the iron float. Lift it out, he said. Then the man reached out his hand and took it. There's a part in that that really irritated me. Not because of what literally happened, but because, oh, here's the part. Where did it fall? And the pessimist in me says, well, why does it matter? Who cares? It's gone. Where did it fall? Well, why does it matter? Have you ever been this with God? Why does it matter where it fell? It ain't coming back anyways. Have you ever had something so so dark or so lost or so hopeless? You're like, well, what does it even matter where it fell? Why do I need to show you what what can be done about it? Have you ever been this in your life? Like, what can be done about it? Like, I don't know where it fell. But he didn't know where it fell. He's like, well, this is where it fell. Then Elisha does something weird, too. He takes, this is it just in my imagination. I don't know, I don't know. He got a stick, but I picture him finding a tree. I don't know why I pictured a tree, but I pictured him finding a tree and breaking off a stick. And he threw it in the water where the, where the, the iron axe had fell, fallen. And I'm like, that's weird. Why a stick? Like, why anything at all? You ever have this question? If God wants to do something, why doesn't he just do it? Has that ever bothered you? Like, I grew up in church. You're like, and we have this sometimes. We have this with prayer. We have this with, like, if God wants to do something, like, why doesn't he just do it? And so I'm thinking, like, this is weird. Like, we, like, sometimes as Christians, we just take things at face value. Oh, yeah, Elijah took a stick and threw it in the water. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. What, what in the world? What, what's going on with that? And so I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about Elisha. And, I'm, and all of a sudden, in my mind, I start thinking about these moments where Elisha did something before a miracle happened. I thought about, like, in Elisha's story, like, Elisha did something before the miracle happened. So, so he comes across the Jordan after Elijah, his mentor, leaves in a fiery chariot. Elisha sees the Jordan, and, and he takes off his cloak, and he hits the Jordan with the water, and some weird, strange, sci-fi thing, it, it parts. Later on, there'll be um, a town where the water is bad, and Elisha will take some salt and throw it in the water. Why does he have to throw the salt? Why didn't God just heal the water? Why didn't God just part the Jordan? You ever feel this in your life? Why didn't, God, why didn't God just do this? Why didn't God just fix my marriage? Why doesn't God just break this thing I'm struggling with? Why doesn't God just do this? And so Elisha will, later on, they'll be eating some meat. I was reading this this morning. He was eating some meat in the, 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 the company of prophets, and the meat was bad. I don't know what made it bad. I don't know it was a bad cook, but it seemed like it was killing people. Like, I don't know exactly what was going on. It doesn't tell us a whole lot. But Elisha takes some flour, throws it in, and it's, it's okay to eat again. That's why I'm intrigued by this. Why the stick? Why the flower? Why the salt? Why the cloak? Why? Why does God keep doing this? Why does God, why do miracles, why are they almost always preceded by an action? I don't know if I have my, I don't know if I have my handle, if I have the handle on this, no pun intended. Um, But it seems that the God that we serve is always inviting us to participate in the things he wants to do in the world. In other words, like, like could, he, could he bring all people to himself in one act of parting the clouds and 
And you're like, well, of course, but what does God do? He says, no, I'm going I'm to use you. I'm going to use your actions. I'm going to use your hands. I'm going to use your feet. I'm going to use, I'm going to use you to show my love to other people. And you're like, well, if God wants to do it, he can just do it. And God's, no, it seems like every time God wants to do something miraculous, it, there's an action where God says, I want you to participate with me, with me in this. That's our purpose. That's, that's where we start to realize, well, this is why I'm here. I'm here, so you're here, we're here, so that our story can, can precipitate the miracle that God wants to do in someone else's life. Did I say precipitate? I, I precede. Precipitates rain, right? I don't know. And so Elijah takes a stick and he does an action. And God raises what was sunk out of the water so that what was broken could be restored. So that the one who had lost what was borrowed could take hold of it again. There's this passage in the New Testament that says, when you come to Jesus, you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. In a lot of ways, everything good in this world is borrowed. The time that God has given us, the lives that he's given us, the, the people that we love, there's something very borrowed about it, and there's moments when it can seem lost and sunk, and we can think, well, there's no way, and there's nothing that God can do. I think what God says to us through a very simple, subtle, nearly invisible story in Scripture is say, keep, dream, keep dreaming big, keep praying hard, keep reaching out and trusting me, and take hold of what I offer to you and my son. So, at this part in the service, we always have communion together. This little cup with this little bread on top, little wafer. And in this story, and again, I don't know whether I'm trying not to, but you can over-spiritualize scripture sometimes and try to read too much into it rather than out of it. But if I could talk about what's been real in my life is there's been moments when I've been sunk, spiritually sunk. There's probably been moments in your life where you were sunk, spiritually sunk. And God stepped into your story. And he took what was sunk, or he'll take what was sunk, and he can bring it back to the surface and redeem what was lost. Jesus, as he takes communion with his disciples, he says, whenever you do this, you're proclaiming my story. And so let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Those who redeem from the hand of the foe. Would you take the bread and eat? Jesus said, this is my blood poured out for you. We often think it's going to be by our blood. That it's going to be by our effort. That it's going to be by our work. That it's going to be by our energy and our self-discipline that we're, everything's going to get worked out and restored again. And I can tell you that that will lead you into a miserable life. What Jesus offered is his work. What he offered is his life. What he offers is says, that which you can't take by your own strength, I will by my strength give to you. 
And so the only thing taking is the gift that's been given to us. And so we take to our king. Would you all stand with me? Maybe you're here today and man, you felt sunk or you are in the middle of the frustration or the fatigue or the fear or the finances or whatever like that might be. I want you to know that there's people here to, to pray with you. I'll be down in front and I think someone will be down here in front or someone can come down here in front if you see someone walking down and we'll be more than willing to, to pray with you. And at the same time, I, 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 through this, have come to believe in, or clarity in my mind that God is often calling us to action. Not to works, but to action. That sometimes miracles, or nearly often it seems that miracles are preceded by action. And one thing that we do as the church, as followers of Jesus, is that when we want to step into relationship with him, he calls us to this action of being baptized into him. Of saying, I acknowledge, Lord, that I am not my own, that, that I am your creation. And now through Jesus, I can find recreation. And so what baptism does is we go into the water and the, the old us goes in and says, my life is no longer my own and my life is now yours. And then we come out of the water saying, I'm, I'm new. The scripture will say, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. And the new has come. And if that's where God is leading you today, if it's to take that action, if it's to, to step into his story, I would challenge you, I'd invite you to, to be baptized in him this morning. We all pray with me. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you for little stories that speak volumes in our hearts. Lord, I thank you that we are never so sunk that we cannot be saved. And so, Lord, we praise you and we honor you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. worship our King. Come, let us bow at His feet. He has done great things today.
See what our Savior has done. See how his love overcomes. He has done great things. Glorify your name. He has done great things. Oh, hero of heaven, you conquered the grave. You free every captive and break every chain, oh God. You have done great things. We dance in your freedom. Awake and alive. Oh, Jesus, our Savior, your name lifted high. Oh, God, you have done great. Amen to that today. Faithful. You've been faithful through every storm. Amen. You'll be faithful forevermore. You have. When I know you will do it again. For your promise is yes and amen. You will do great things. Because you are God. God, you do great things. Have a great week, friends.